Hi again, everybody. John Porteous of the Lovells Township Historical Society here, and you're listening to the Backcast Podcast. Welcome back. Uh, new listeners, welcome aboard. Uh, as previously advertised, uh, we're kind of in the midst of an end-of-the-season uh, multi-episode drop, so uh, they're coming back-to-back, if you will. Uh, this week we've got, uh, or for this episode, I should say, we have Rich Alexander, um, a very talented uh, gentleman uh, who is hand, basically handcrafting uh, fly reels in the uh, likeness of the Imperial 125 head and reel. Um, Rich has done a lot of work and uh, gained a lot of knowledge over the years and uh I, during the course of the podcast, you'll learn how that all all worked out. So, um, rather than me uh, meander on, let's uh, get right to it and uh, hear what Rich has to say. Uh, good morning or afternoon. I guess it's after twelve, so it'd be afternoon. We're here with Rich Alexander today, John and I, uh, for this podcast. Rich is uh, from Ogden, Utah, by way of Marquette, back to Ogden. He uh, makes a really classy head and uh, replica reel, and uh, he's a machinist. He has a vintage tackle website that he sponsors and operates, so uh, we'll turn it over to Rich, and he'll straighten out all the things I just confused. <laughs> hey, welcome, Richard. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for make, making it out, and it's, uh, uh, I think this is our record, uh, Richard, for the our furthest away live guest. Yeah, yeah, we Richard, you know, we got a, We've had a few from the northeast, but I I think uh, mileage wise, you're the you're the new champion. So thanks. Deeply appreciated. If you there's, get the if there's an award, award, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, there'll be an ink pen <laughs> or decal in here someplace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so Rich, how, you know, with that intro, how did you come to fly fishing? And, and kind of bring us up to speed on, you know, kind of how you got started, and we'll go from there. All right. Um, my my introduction to fly fishing wasn't fly fishing. Okay. But it was with a fly rod, and the first fly rod that that I saw was one of my father's, and uh, if I guess with the experience I have now, if I could remember what that rod was I'm pretty sure it was an old Montague uh, Sunbeam with the blue painted reel seat and big long nine-footer and you know I'm used to at that time a Zebco spin casting sure. setup fishing out of dad's canoe you know usually for the trout you can see down below the canoe the Sunbeam wasn't a bad rod for what it was yeah and uh, but I remember I didn't like that rod because I, I couldn't cast it or do anything. I just had to dangle it over. I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, so that was my introduction to a fly rod. And um, years later, and I think my dad knows it now, I remember walking down the road with that thing pushing gravel out of the way, extended until I s- snapped the tip off of it. And, that was the end of my dad's old bamboo rod. <laughs> but uh, I didn't, uh, I, I've always liked fishing, um, but I didn't get into fly fishing until 
I was uh, I was in Darrington, Washington, uh, north of Seattle, up in the mountains, putting in a electrical substation for a company, and and it was during the time that the steelhead were were running, and uh, we were staying in a fish camp there, and there were a lot of the guides that had come in, and they were fly casting, teaching uh, the people they were going to be taking out there at the, the fish camp. It was a pond that was stocked, and getting them ready to get them out on the river. And uh, so I was, I was really able to see that happening at that time, and uh, I thought that was something I wanted to learn how to do. And then as I started walking those rivers and seeing those steelhead in there, and the water's just so clear, I mean, it, it was an edge, definitely. But I, w I didn't do any fishing at that time, but my wife, uh, Tony's mother, uh, she ended up buying me a rod, finally, uh, right after I got home from that trip. That's or, you awesome. Know, that, that work trip, so, and I started fly fishing, so. Well, so, so you've got, you, you've got, you've been gifted a rod, and you're, you know, feeling your way around and such, and yeah. getting that, and somehow you went next level with it. Well... <laughs> Or, or so it would seem. <laughs> well, uh, my wife uh, is from the UP. Okay. Um, from Gladstone area, if you know that area. And uh, she had moved to Salt Lake City, and that's where I met her. Um, she bought me an old Jean Snow Rod. It was built on a Loomis blank. And, and I had that. And uh, for her birthday one day, she wanted to go whitewater rafting. So I took her on the Green River. And... She got to paddle a little while I fished, and I, <laughs> I paid for that for a few years. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, we eventually moved back to the, the UP. We moved to Minnesota for a few years. Uh, in Minnesota, I picked up uh, some of my machining experience there. I worked for a defense contractor, uh, Remley Engineering, and I was welding for them originally, and, uh, but I got a chance to work in their their tool room as needed to make some tooling and things like that. That's where I picked up some of that. But uh, what really got me excited was uh, coming home from work there in Minnesota. I worked the night shift and hitting these garage sales with all this old tackle that was, it was basically stuff they were just cleaning out back then. And uh, so you could pick it up at pretty good prices. and. Uh, so that's where I started learning a little bit about it and really uh, really wanted to kind of learn as much as I could about it. I started picking up the old baits and uh, so all of it at that time. That's, I, I was hung up on everything, uh, but I finally settled in on rods a few years later, met a few guys that were into bamboo and they helped me along. And that's kind of how that started. Well, how did you uh, get at this head and fixation? I mean, you, you seem to be... Well, um, a head and guy. Uh, once we moved back to the UP, I started going to uh, a hunting camp up there with some of my wife's friends that she went to school with, and and they would bring rods in. And the guy brought in a, a head and black beauty. Okay. That was was fairly beat up, but I it was it was the first rod that that I really got excited about. It just looked like 
something different than what I've been running across. The Black Beauty has kind of an aura that goes with it. It's just, oh, yeah. you know, I've seen one, uh, one of the old guides around here had one, uh, his family had a sail and his rod was in there and it would, you talk about beat up, I mean it was, but it still had class, you know. Oh yeah. There's, I've, I don't know that I've ever spoken with anybody and to Richard's point, the aura is the perfect word. Mm -hmm. It seems like there's just this little, you know, thing associated with it and it's, it's really awesome. So did you, did you proceed to use it? And well, not that one, um, but I started, I, I wanted to find out about Hedens. I'd heard about them at some of the, the tackle shows and in some of the books that I had at the time. Can't remember all of them. There weren't a lot of rod books that I knew of other than, you know, Marty Keene's book. Um, didn't talk a lot about Hedens in there, but they were mentioned, I think, briefly. But I found out a fair amount from the guys I was hanging around with that, that liked bamboo and they really liked head and rods and because I was in Michigan and I found out all about head and being in Michigan in the Dwajak area that I uh, and they had so many different models it was almost I just fell into it I mean I could they do you know, there were the so spectrum. many you could have you, you could have been hunting down, you know, and so anyway, I'm sorry. What was no, that? I was just it, it did seem that they had a very wide offering. Yeah, yeah they, they weren't pigeonholing rich guys only. There, yeah, was, yeah, uh, that's true. And they were um, they were built well. They had good tapers, very fishable tapers. That's why that Black Beauty was so beat up. It it had been fished a lot and. Uh, but of course you hear about the higher end headings and uh, so I started gravitating in that direction and uh, uh, but I've uh, if I could guess I bet I've owned over 200 headings probably maybe more oh wow you know now but it's been well, it's been at least 30 years since that started so I guess there's been a lot <laughs> so well I got a Bill Stanley's what favorite Couple 17s, and I think there's a 14 back here someplace. Yeah, there's a 14. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Now, for Richard, for, for our listeners, when you're talking about the model numbers, tell us a little bit more about the taper. Is that a, a certain length and a certain taper, a certain application? Well, what the Black Beauty came in. I've got the numbers for a Black Beauty for a seven and a half. The ones I have are, I think I have an eight and a half. The Bill Stanley is an eight and a half, but the uh, the ones you find out there mostly are going to be those big nine footers. Big nine I mean, footers, yeah. But the, but the weight of your truck and uh, yeah. <coughs> but they have a nice action, I think. Yeah. Well, they made they made a nine footer <coughs> for all for all of their models, their standard models. They made a nine footer usually in a two ferrule, they called a size two, uh, that was their, uh, their regular trout length in a nine foot, uh, but they made a two and a half, which was a, more of a bass, steelhead rod. Oh, okay. They made a two and three quarter and they made a three, so they made some really heavy nine footers. Okay. Um, as you get into the eight and a half and, uh, and, and lighter, then you're dropping down and your eight and a halfs, the, they still made a two ferrule, which will will fish a fiber, usually a six weight rod uh, nowadays. Uh, 
but they did have a one and three quarter ferrule, they called it, and, uh, and then a one and a half. Or I mean a one three quarter in that. So two, one, one and three quarter. So is that, yeah. <coughs> I'll tell you the truth, I've never understood this. You know, a head and you got a nine foot and you got twos and threes. It's actually the ferrule size, is that diameter length? That, that's the ferrule size, and I, I apologize. I, I'm not sure how that converts into you know, 64ths or 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly. So but for example... Two and a half <coughs> bigger than the two. Excuse me. Um, for example, your, uh, your seven and a half foot uh, Black Beauty would have a one and a half barrel on it if, for a three piece rod. Uh, that's a, a 16 64ths barrel. That sound about right? Um, basically a quarter inch. Yeah, that's good. Not 60, it, yes. Yeah, we're doing we're doing math. Yeah, it's now. great. <laughs> I got to put a mic on it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But but definitely probably a four weight that seven and a half that you have, right? Yeah, we yeah. have four or five. Yeah. Depends on how you load it. Yeah. yeah. So. So a a good weight for our type of water. Yeah, for this type of water, uh, that would be a very nice rod. There, you obviously don't find as many of those around. There's an awful lot of nine footers built. So they seem to be the rods that I chased, you know, were the shorter rods and, uh, and then the higher grade headings. And, uh, but the water I usually fish out, out west in Utah and Idaho, uh, I've kind of settled into an eight and a half or an eight foot rod. I do have a seven, a seven foot ten parataper that was built by Hedden hmm. that uh, was sold through Charles Daly, the, the, the gun builder. And uh, I really love that rod. I don't know how parabolic it is. It's more of a kind of a progressive taper, but I really enjoy that rod. Nice, nice seven foot ten four weight, four five weight. I don't know if you can answer this, but the <coughs> pardon me. The only other the thing I'm hidden is I've always been uh, confused and confounded and mystified by is the, the way they get that black finish on their ferrules. Do you know what that was? How they did it? I mean, I know how I. Try to do it to you when I recreate it. <laughs> do you know how they did it? I'm I'm really not sure okay. on that. I apologize. I know that they did have what they call the japanning, yeah. which is almost a paint, right? That was uh, that was baked on. Um, that was usually what you saw uh, on your rods up to about a 20 grade, uh, 17 probably grade, and then above that, uh, they're more uh, they're more of a blued ferrule. Mm. Yeah, so. On the 20, anything in the, I guess their deluxe shop uh, was more of a, uh, a blued ferrule or at, at times they did uh, plate some of those ferrules too, back when plating was the big thing. Okay. You know, back in the uh, late 20s, early 30s. So, yeah. And most most of my collection kind of hangs out in that area now. I like the really early head and rods that were out of the deluxe shop. So. Okay. And, and and you're not just I'm assuming you're not just putting them in the closet you're are you, are you casting and fishing with these rods? Oh certainly yeah Good. I, I, I fish with almost almost all of them yeah I uh, I don't know if this is the right time to mention it but I I have a, a, a collection of early head and presidents which was their highest grade rod at the time in, in the late 20s and early 30s and uh, I think 
1928, which is the first year that was built. That one I've cast, and I guess I could certainly fish it, uh, but it does need a little bit of work. Okay. Those rods, they say in the catalogs, only came in a, a leather fold. They, they didn't come in a tube. I think that's probably why this is the only one I've ever seen. Um, but then the, the following year, they started putting them in a tube. But, but I have that 28, 29, 30, and uh, 31, all those presidents through there, as well as the 35s. That, and I'm starting to collect the 20s through that early era. And uh, So you have the Benny Tackle website, and so is that primarily focused on heading, or as you talk about all, you know, do you Well, there's, uh, <coughs> yeah, Antique Rod and Real Library, or, uh, uh, yeah, that's, you, you can find that under a Google search or anything like but, that. But that is, that's an active website that our yes. listeners can go and yeah. peruse. Yeah, and, and what I tried to do was, you know, kind of what you guys are doing with your podcast, you want to preserve uh, the history on, on these things. I... I had I had owned so many rods, or so many had passed through my hands that I just felt like it'd be a waste if I didn't share some of that. So I just started capturing photographs and and had a plan of uh, a book one day, maybe. Uh, even though I don't feel like that's necessarily what I could take on. Um, and the website was something that I was able to do with the help of friends and. And so it is a website where you can find out an awful lot about headings. There's a lot of headings in there, probably about 90 of them, photos of, of all different grades of heading and uh, throughout the time, the whole time the company was making them and, and their transition. But there's certainly, there, there's probably 6,000 photos in there oh, wow. of rods. So there's all kinds of Leonard wow. rods, early Leonard's, uh, Thomas's. <laughs> so I tried to include everything that that I was able to, and uh, I haven't been active in adding photos to it for a few years. But I I need to because I have a, another big pile that another needs to big be pile added. of photos to add. But I mean that's it, it's quite a task uh, to to research all of these and try and share with the information that you have. And I've tried to just stay with what I knew or what I could learn from. The authors that are out there that are talking about these rods and so uh, mainly was providing photographs uh, identifiable marks like you know you can identify a rod by its ferrules or its winding check or its reel seed and so there's areas where you can go in and just look at reel seats and, and once you find a rod that say your father had left you and you don't know who made it because there's no name on it you can go through this all these real seats that I have in there, and once you find yours, you can click on it and tell you who made it, who your, might have retailed it. Your online police lineup. Like <laughs> I don't have everything, certainly, That's but pretty uh, cool. I just tried to do something like that and, and make kind of a resource that people could use for identification. Uh, well, with regard to the, the president line, mm -hmm. you're talking 20s and 30s, they made that for a long time, didn't they? They made it into the 50s. They certainly did. Um, in the in the early 20s, uh, they didn't start building. Hedden didn't start building a bamboo rod until 1924, and that's when they built uh, the model, their first Model 35. And in fact, it was just called the Hedden rod, but it was sold for right around the, that 35 dollar range, and so it eventually became the 35. 
and uh, but they were settling in in the late 20s. You know, they they didn't mark them with a, a model number. They uh, they just made the 35 with a full well script, for example, and this and black and gold wraps. They made the president with silver and black wraps with a different grip, like a, a, a reversed half wells well script that had kind of a cigar finish to the taper on the end. Hmm. And they kept them that way till about 1931, and then they started settling in to what they started to look like throughout the rest of, of Hedden's you know, years of production. So, Don't we have Pete Petoskey's president? Uh, <clears throat> I guess the 124, 125, oh, okay. the knockoff of the 1000. Oh, Sears sold it, I think. Yes, the uh, had the gold ferrules on a gold, yep. not not gold plated, but a gold finished ferrule. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, some of those in, in their big casting rods as well had some pretty elaborate wrapping, and a lot of intermediate almost wraps, in, things like that. I don't know if artistic's the right way, but fancy, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the signature wraps and things like that. Yeah. Same, same kind of, but differently for the Leonard's. It, they, you kind of, I guess, for someone that is not as in the know as you guys, you could look at it and say, "Oh yeah, that's probably hadn't." Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and and just because of the the wrappings or the, you know, the the fanciness of the rod, as it were. Yeah. Well, with Hedden's they were really consistent with with real seats for a particular model for example and and, and that's why it was probably easy for me because uh, Hedden kept everything the same for a long time and their catalogs reflected that and in fact uh, I don't know I'm going down kind of a little direction here and then I'll jump you're, back to you're that fine. but for example uh, the signature wraps and things like that that you're talking about, they pretty much did the same thing uh, on all of those. I mean, they varied slightly, uh, uh, but they wanted something that looked like theirs. And so, same same with Leonard and people, you know, they wanted you to know that you were holding the Leonard out there when you were fishing with it. That was good for Leonard, right? And uh, and those those guys were craftsmen that were building them, and so they wanted they wanted to to showcase their work, you know. So, That's awesome. Oh yeah, and there's there's some builders today that their rap, their rap work is amazing. Yeah, as, as you all know, Richard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, Mark McKellar. We were talking earlier. I mean, it's, oh yeah, golly, yeah. He finishes a rod. It's you know, it's not craftsman. It's artwork. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it's some of the stuff he's done is incredible. We were fortunate enough to have him out. Uh, I did listen to that. Oh, good. That was that was wonderful. <laughs> he's I a fun really guy. Like Mike. And you can see on stream if you, if somebody's holding one of Mark's rods, you know that's one of Mark's rods. I think that's really neat. Yeah, that was very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So well, uh, <coughs> you are in the reel making business. And just as an aside, we're <coughs> working on a deal so we can have your reels into the North Branch Outing Club next year. We'll offer those for sale in the lodge. A little shameless propaganda for there promotion go. there. <laughs> well, and you know to that end. Um, I want to give you ample opportunity to to plug your website, and it's not just the the antique tackle, but um, 
you've done some pretty significant work and and I'm I guess we could kind of you know we've we've been talking about rods a lot um the the reels another part of the equation mm, um yeah. and I'll let you kind of build the story from there um well of course because I like Hens so much I had I picked up a few of the Hedden reels. I hit uh, the Hedden Imperial 125. I just love those reels. I love the fact that uh, that they had a nice, beautiful agate in them. Um, I I love the Hardy Perfects in St. George's. I love that about them. They're they're smooth, beautiful reels, and uh, I've always felt uh, that I wanted to build a reel myself. I knew that I could. I didn't realize. Uh, what I was taking on when I got started. <laughs> I didn't realize everybody wanted me to hurry up once I told them I was going to do it. But uh, I know that I always, I always wished that they would make that in different sizes, that head and Imperial 125, because it was such a smooth reel and so beautiful. And uh, and so I thought if I make one, I'm going to make a little three-incher, and I'm going to make, uh, make it left or right-handed. And... Uh, so that's kind of what got me started when I finally had a little bit of time, and it, and it started during the COVID virus. I had a little bit more time, okay. And, uh, and so I thought I would build one, and like I said, as I started telling people that I was going to do it, uh, you know, they they said, "Well, put me on the list," and and that's kind of how it all started. Oh, that's awesome! And I heard about the uh, the Hedden Fest they had in Wisconsin this earlier this year in June, as well as. Uh, Gray Rock, and I thought, well, I need to have a few ready for that, and, and so I threw these together. So well, I know, uh, I don't know how many, uh, I've got one last year at Gray Rock, and I, you know, I put it on some of the old bamboo stuff I got, it looks really nice, it works good, everybody I show it to oh, likes it. Absolutely beautiful, yeah. absolutely, well, especially that. with the agate. And uh, I uh, tend to be a little bit braggy, so I show it to damn near everybody who walks through the door. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that's good. I I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I uh, um, I feel real strongly about you know I don't want a bad reel out there. So sure. So if something's wrong, I want, you know I want to make sure it comes back in my hands so I can get it fixed. I don't want anybody owning a bad uh, Alexander reel. There you go. Um, but uh, I think the part that I enjoyed the most about making them is was making the agates. I mean that's drilling them and, and, and then radiusing the inside and then starting to polish them. I mean, you're just standing there looking at it saying, oh, that's going to be a pretty one, and every right. one of them is. But I broke a lot at first, you know. They're, they're kind of delicate, and you've got to kind of figure it all out, And but I really enjoyed it. And I, I tell everybody that I, I've made everything on these reels but the, but the screws. And uh, that's not true. I did have to, someone help me make the springs and... Things like that, but I I wanted to build the real. I wanted to know what was in that. And so, That's awesome. Yeah, I, it, it's 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 a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Um, I have a lot of ideas where I want to go from here on them, and uh, so I'm working on some adjustments. I just want to make it better, you know. So are, are you doing CNC milling or old school or I am uh, both. Okay. I, I I have manual machines. I do have a CNC mill. Um, I do some. Uh, 
I have two other products that I've been designing uh, for a few years that I want to market and uh, and so we bought a mill, a partner of mine and I, a CNC mill for building the parts for this uh, this machine and it's not quite ready. I'm still working on that so it keeps me pretty busy. Sure. Um, but I'm able to to keep uh, reels on there if I want to to do that portion of the work. But I do a lot of lay, lathe work on a manual lathe. Yeah. Well, and, and even in that short period of time, hasn't that reel, your reel, evolved a bit uh, relative to the placement of the agate? Yes, do I, I'm glad you I, asked me I, that. That's am a I really remembering that right? Or? Yes, yes. I think that was, that was one of the things that I think Hedden struggled with when they first came out with that reel. And it first came out in 1924 as well. With that agate being at 9 o'clock or 3 o'clock mm -hmm. from the foot, um, it, the problem is, is as you're, as you're stripping line as you're casting, you're pulling line across the face of the reel sometimes if you happen to do this. I know that your uh, listeners can't see that, but <laughs> what would happen is that line would catch on the on the grasp and so we all know that that handle or those of us that have these reels know that handles a little bit tapered and they did that because it kept cast catching and I found that when I started making mine I put so it's conical shape I wanted it to look just like a 125 so I built it the same way and I noticed it just kept catching on there and I said I've got to move that line guide it's just it shouldn't be there especially in a three inch diameter reel because now you've made that diameter smaller it's a tighter area for that thing to come across the face as well as for stacking line in the reel. If you're at 3 or 9 o'clock, everything piles right in the center of yep. the reel. Okay. <laughs> and so that was not so much a problem with the 3 and a quarter inch di original reel because if you didn't totally fill that up, then you'd be okay. But certainly with the 3 inch reel, it was a problem. So I moved that line guide down to about 4 o'clock. And it took care of every single problem. I don't know why Hedden didn't do that. The way they handled it is they just stopped doing line guides and put that long stirrup line guide on it, mm. which 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 took care of it, took care of the problem, because it gave that line room to move as you're stripping as well as bringing line in. Yeah, it, it would spool up. Well, I, I kind of like your evolution, not only aesthetically but mechanically. It just, to your point, it makes sense and it looks. Flipping great. <laughs> I went through the same problems I'm sure they did. <laughs> you know, so. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm pretty happy with how they look, so thank you. And, and these, you know, we're used to talking about, you know, our northern Michigan rivers and such, but what, what are your home waters? Is it the green or? Well, I do fish the green. Um, the green's about two and a half, three hours away. Okay. Um, I fish the Provo. I don't know if. You're familiar with the Provo? Been on there. Yeah, the Provo, I, I fish uh, the Weaver. These are all close to me. I can, you know, I can get up there in 20 minutes, a half hour, and be fishing. And because uh, I'm down in Ogden, got to get okay. up the canyon a little bit, right? Sure. Um, is it Hebron? Heber is just Heber. up above Salt Lake, yeah. yeah the Provo see, runs through there. Yeah, we used to go to meetings in Park City and we. Cut out and go down the hill to Heber and mm -hmm. fish in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good fishing there. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah, uh, I like fishing the Duchesne. I like getting out that way. I've got friends out that way. And 
uh, those are kind of areas that I fish. Those are my home waters. And well, all, all, the reason for the ask is that, you know, around here we're, we're you're dealing with a little larger class of fish, and uh, it, 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 tried, tested, and true, I guess, on your on your reels as far as you know, uh, that type of thing. These aren't dainty little uh, show pieces. These are working functional. Yeah, I um, I did I did beef up the pillars on these a little bit. The the original head and reel was a cast reel. The pillars were quite slender, and so I beefed up the beefed those up a little bit just to make it a stronger, hardier reel. And I made sure that that final setting on that uh, that disc on the that disc what would I call it check adjustment on the back uh, was a little bit a little bit heavier. Um, you know, if you're throwing heavier hoppers or something like that, and I just didn't want to overrun being a problem. Um, and there's a lot of wind out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, depending upon where you're at. And so a little bit bigger rivers, some of them that I'm fishing. So, uh, yeah, I, I tend to, like I say, fish a lot of eight and eight and a half footers just because I, I can cover a little more water. Sure. Yeah. So, That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, you we we we've got our listeners uh, so that they can go check out the antique rod and reel mm-hmm. site, and we'll put that in the show notes. And we want them to especially key in on your current oh, reel site. Reel site, yeah. RC Alexander Reels. You can find it. Um, it's that. It's that's what comes up. It's that simple. RC Alexander Reels. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So, so what's next? What's the, do you have a, an itch to do something else in line and expand the real offering or? Um, I do. I want to build, uh, and, and I'm currently uh, finishing up some of the design. I want to build a smaller reel. Um, this reel is three inches. This current reel is three inches. Uh, and it's the same width as the earlier reel. So it's about seven eighths across on the, on the opening of the reel. I want to make uh, a three and a quarter diameter. I want to make another three inch, but more of a contracted spool. You know, I'm sorry. Well, right now they come in left or right, and you you got a scheme cooked up, or you know you you got a design coming where you can make the real reversible, right? That's 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 right. I have oh. I have done a little bit of that as well. Um, <clears throat> the, the hardest part has been to be able to mount this agate so that it's fixed. And be able to change from left to right. Yeah. And so I do have a design that I've I've, I've come up with, and I'm really excited about. I've shown it to Richard here a little bit ago, to where I the agate can move, be moved from one position to the other, or from one position to another, in, in exchange for the foot, giving me a left or right-handed reel. And I'm excited about that one. We're we're in the middle of building one of those. That's right pretty now. cool. So it'll, it'll like just kind of take care of that for me. Yeah. Can't so. make up your mind on this right hand, left hand thing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can see it only happening once, and probably by me in the shop, you know. But uh, yeah, so that's neat. Yeah, that's neat. Are there? Um, I don't know. Other you you were kind of mentioning earlier, alluding to maybe a few other projects in the mix, or and if it's not time to talk about oh, it, no, that's, that's super fine. cool too. That's fine. I have no problem talking about that. Well, like I said, I, wanted, I want to make three different sizes of this reel, this one. 
Uh, I want to make a smaller two and seven eighths. It'll be a narrower reel, more uh, for for uh, I guess the the lighter the much lighter rods. Um, but I uh, this last uh, summer I bought up a bunch of parts out of Florida that were left over from the Auto Zwarg company, and uh, I mean there's I could I could be making saltwater multipliers for the next 10 years if I wanted with all the parts as well as their salmon reels. But, oh, wow. uh, so I want to do, uh, I, want, I want to get into that a little bit. I'd like to get into the, the trout versions as well because uh, that's what I, the fishing I do a little bit more of. But I have, uh, I have the parts to make, uh, to make the auto zwargs. Um, pretty much everything there, I just have to finish them out. That's pretty wild. And so, I uh, I want to make sure that I can do it in such a way where I'm not misrepresenting what I'm doing. Uh, okay. But but still use that, uh, you know, the nickel silver rims instead of uh, aluminum rims for for those salmon reels and things like that. Use his foot and uh, and things like that. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to that. That'll be a winter project for me. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So you still do that wiggle out a way to get out and get on the water from time to time, right? Well, that's the problem. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm trying to wiggle a little more of that. There you go. Yeah, I, I, right now it seems like more work, less fish. And somebody asked me the other day, have you been out fishing? I said, what is, what is that? That thing you do with bait? Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so, I've read about it in books. Yeah, I've seen it on yeah, websites. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Too fun. No, I, uh, my buddy and I, we're going to get out as soon as I get back. Cause we're just now getting to the point where we can get out this year, unfortunately, so we'll get out a little bit before everything. So you're done. coming into a pretty good nymphing season for that water, or? Um, yeah, they're more nymphing than, than the dry fly, definitely. We like to do as much of that as we can, but we all do, I guess, when that's happening. Sure. Now, so. are, are, you, are you fishing bamboo, or are you mixing some glass in, too? No, I just fish bamboo. It's, it's kind of been what I've focused on. and. Nice. And, and what I enjoy, and I fish the rods that, that I own, you know. That's so, so awesome. Yeah. Wow. Fish a lot of headings, and I'm working on getting a uh, dragon of pain from a buddy of mine, and I want to fish that. It's got my name on it, so got a couple Leonard's that I fish, and some others I'm sure in there. I just No doubt, man. Yeah. So. Well, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Well, we're very grateful for you not only traveling across the breadth of the country to get to us, but not that we were your sole motivation, but really cool that you could take time out of your day to, uh, you know, especially with your son. Uh, and it, we do have a live studio audience today. Tony's uh, joined us uh, from up in the UP. And Say hello, Tony. Hello. <laughs> Good job. Tony yeah. was one of my first customers. Well, he got you. one of the first reels, yeah. Yeah. There you go. I got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, great job. Richard Perry, thank you. Tony, thank you. Thank Rich, you, thank you, Appreciate sir. It. Thanks, Rich. We'll be talking right. to you again, and thanks for coming by and right. well, sitting with us for a while. Definitely a fun time, uh, Rich. Uh, goodness gracious. I hope you guys go out to his website and check out not only the antique rods and reels, uh, but more importantly, this reel that he's crafted is magic. The agate uh, guide is 
just a work of art, uh, as is the real. So, anywho, um, enjoy, have fun, and uh, we'll be back shortly with a couple of more episodes before we end the season. So, in the meantime, mind your back cast. <laughs>